Hello, it's the October DCM podcast. My name, as always, is Tom Lanay, and this month I'm joined by the executive director of the Rio Cinema, Ollie Meek. Based in Dalston, East London, the Rio Cinema is one of the most famous cinemas in London. Hi, Ollie, how are you? Hey, I'm very good. Just tell us a little bit about the Rio Cinema. I've already mentioned it's based in Dalston. It's got a long and rich history. Can you just tell us a little bit about it for those of people who don't know? Oh, sure. It's got a very uh, rich history. So, originally built in 1909 as the Kingsland Empire, um, and our, found, our founder was a woman, Clara Ludsky, who um, converted her auctioneer's shop and then had the, the empire built by George Coles, very eminent cinema architect, built Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Muswell Hill, now Everyman. Um, and then in the nine, 1930s, it was kind of refitted and uh, the, the exterior was added on. Um, in the Art Deco style. And it went through various phases of being like an art house cinema, a cartoon cinema. It was an erotic cinema in the 1970s, the Tatler. Um, never managed to find anyone who confessed to having come to the <laughs> Tatler in the 70s. If there's anyone out there, do get in touch. Um, and then in the late 70s, it was taken over by a community group uh, and became the Rio. So 40 years it's been a, a community cinema. I believe it's London's oldest community cinema of its kind. So it's been all the cinemas basically, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Part of a chain. It was part of the classic chain and independently owned. And yeah. And how long have you worked at the Rio? I've been here six years. How did you end up as executive director of the Rio? Ah, okay. So I worked in independent cinemas for a long time. Um, so I was originally uh, trained as an actor. And when I left drama school, I went to a drama school in Chalk Farm, uh, same drama school as Michael Fassbender and Tom Hardy and Russell Brand and Paul Bettany and lots of other people. Uh, they got all the, the good work, so there was none left for, for me. Um, and like most struggling actors, I, got, I, I worked in theatres and cinemas, so I got a job in a lovely cinema that is no longer with us, Screen on the Hill in Belsize Park, which is now an everyman site. Um, and I worked at Riverside Studios, um, various other theatres, and eventually I uh, was a manager for Everyman in Hampstead. Um, and then I left cinema for about six years to run a residential creative writing retreat in rural Devon with my wife. Um, but cinema was always my first love. So when the Rio job came up, uh, I applied for it and um, fortunately got it and moved back to London. Um, and um, it's been an incredible pleasure and challenge. The Rio is so loved amongst the community in East London and Dalston. And do you feel a great responsibility uh, leading it? Yeah, massive, massive responsibility. It's much more than just a, a cinema. It has this incredible kind of history of activism. And, you know, Dalston's one of those areas where... Um, if you see how much this area has changed since the 80s. And actually, recently, one of the things that I discovered here, my, myself and my colleague Andrew, who does our marketing here, we discovered in the archive this collection of photographs, which was part of um, a project that actually took place where we're sitting now, back in the 80s, where local um, uh, adults and young people... Uh, took a photographic record of Dawson in the 80s. And we've just actually released a book. This is another way you can support the Rio. Uh, if you go into the Rio shop online, you can see this book. And it's um, 
a collection of these photos and they are absolutely extraordinary. It looks like, um, it doesn't look like a London I recognise from the 80s, but I was much more, you know, very privileged to grow up in like a different part of London and, and, and didn't know this area. And you, and you see just how much um, Dawson has changed. So it, it's been really, really important as a hub for various different communities. Um, and if you take a walk down Ridley Road Market, you can still see that there it's a con convergence of so many different communities here. Um, so it's a very interesting history and demographic here. So, and it's one of the last hardcore original independent cinemas um, with stools and with circle. So yeah, I, I, it's more it's more about I feel more like a custodian than a kind of director because this is part of uh, London cinema history. It's changed a lot over the last six years in, uh, during your time here. Can you just talk us through some of the changes that have taken place? Yeah, sure. So it was a single screen cinema when I took over. And obviously, with very few exceptions, it's basically impossible to turn a profit with a single screen the way that the industry has changed now. Um, and the exterior of the building was very dilapidated, um, hadn't had any work since the 90s. So um, the Rio had, had nearly gone out of business in 2013. And when I came in a few years later, it had lost money for about three or four years running so it was it, it was an uphill battle but the one thing I was very conscious of is that it was so beloved in the local community and that people desperately wanted to keep it going so we did a whole fundraising campaign to build this screen that we're sat in here and to renovate the exterior and we raised about 200,000 in 2018 so um, this little screen which is just under 30 seats has been a real game changer I think uh, in 2019 we did 20,000 admissions across the year for it so that makes a massive difference and in terms of hires and the diversity of the program we've built a lovely little bar um, which is in the next room here which unfortunately isn't open at the moment and um, we completely redid the outside put new color change led neons um, changed the reader graph um, and gave the building some much loved tlc so we'd seen a real um you know, change in uh, admissions and revenue, it was really, really positive. So that was why, uh, you know, February early this year was a real high point to have kind of uh, a Parasite be the record breaker. And we really felt like we were, we were pushing on. So we'll get back there for sure. In the next six years, what would you like to see happen at the Rio? So there's a, well, there's one really exciting project that I had started to work on last year. Um, I think I mentioned earlier that the cinema was built in 1909 and then it was kind of uh, renovated in the 30s. And basically the original Kings and Empire was about, we think about 1,200 to 1,800 seats. It would have been three tiers. And when they refitted it in the 30s, it would have gone from silent movies to talkies. So what because there wasn't the kind of amplification to get um, sound up that high, they built a kind of false ceiling. And that's why it's got this lovely kind of fluted uh, ceiling uh, that everyone knows now. But above that, in the void above that, is a space almost the size of the main auditorium, which is the original 1909 Edwardian uh, auditorium. It's very, very well preserved. And we started work on a viability study and got some funding for that. And we know we could fit a 175, 200-seat auditorium in there. Um, but to get access up there uh, to restore the original features, it's going to be a multi-million pound project, probably something in a region of five to seven million pounds. Um, but 
yeah, I'd already done some of the groundwork on that, speaking to funders. We know it's a really fundable project. So I, I like to think that within the next five, six years, we will have screen three, but it will be quite unlike any cinema uh, in the country. Obviously, the last six months have been incredibly challenging for a lot of people. How's it been for you at the Rio and the Rio as a whole? Yeah, it's been very surreal. Um, I think, you know, it seems an eternity now to think back the end of February, but it got to the end of February and it was like our uh, record-breaking month ever. Parasite had just broken all of our records in terms of admissions and box office. Um, so we'd been doing really, really well. And looking ahead and thinking, wow, we've still got, you know, Bond to come before the summer hits. Um, and then um, things started to change, didn't they? Beginning of March. And then we had to close on the 17th of March and I had to furlough all of my staff, except one other colleague who does our, who does our finances here. And um, it was a very, it was a very stressful and odd, you know, spring and summer. And I just think, you know, cinemas about working with audiences is very, it's very odd running an organization like this on your own and thinking about things without audience feedback and staff feedback. So yeah, it's it's just been it's been surreal. I've just tried to keep as um, optimistic and just persevere with everything. And what's been the biggest challenge? It's all been a challenge, really. I think um, it's very yeah. Again, it's very difficult doing all of these things suddenly with with no staff. Um, and essentially, for I mean, the Rio is a charity, so the responsibilities become very very different. When you lose all of your income, you have to think about things in a in a really in a really different way and I guess to a certain extent when you run a cinema you're always you're always slightly in the dark about what's coming up it's always kind of a leap of faith um you know just when you think there's no films out there something appears but this really has been a kind of dark period where where there's complete uncertainty and actually all the things that you think you know you know all of the bigger partners the big film distributors have been changing the release schedule obviously and things have been moving around and just when you see a kind of glimmer of hope in the towards the summer um, things change again so yeah I, I guess like for everyone it's just the total uncertainty um, it's it's impossible to plan uh, beyond a few weeks ahead um, and um, it's impossible to know what our partners are planning or thinking as well so cinemas could reopen after lockdown on the 4th of July you opened a bit later didn't you yeah we opened um, in early August um, firstly I wanted to get um, I needed a bit of time to get the building ready and get all the staff comfortable with all the new measures. Um, and there weren't a lot of new releases around. I didn't think any of the kind of repertory stuff would work too well for us, stuff like Empire Strikes Back and everything. And because, you know, we've only got one big screen and one small screen. Um, so we waited and we opened with uh, Summerland because we um, I actually know, knew, know the director of Summerland. So able to do a Q&A uh, with her Jess Swell, um, which got a decent audience. So mostly for us is we only really wanted to open when we knew we could attract a decent audience. I didn't think it was worth opening for kind of dribs and drabs. Wanted to open with a bit of a, a bang. And we knew that Tenet would be popular. So we opened a couple of weeks before Tenet sporadically just to get a few shows in to get everyone used to the new systems and get the building up and running again. You mentioned the measures that you had to put in place. I've, we're, I'll just f say that we're in the screen two of the Rio at the moment. Uh, there's protective screens at, at every counter. There's hand sanitizer everywhere. Is there anything um, that you've done that perhaps other people haven't thought of or that has been particularly successful or you've had feedback on? 
I don't think so. I mean, we've really, we really did kind of go belt and braces, and my staff have been amazing actually. Of, of because I think for them, you know, when you've been furloughed for like five months to come back to work and find there's not only <laughs> is everything much slower and taking much longer, there's all these extra measures. So they've really worked hard to do that. Uh, we've done done the temperature checks at the, the door. We've staggered everyone coming in, and um, and big thanks to Savoy who do our booking system because they created an algorithm which takes out all of the seats around so it's required extra staffing and i think it's it's um it's it's made everything quite slow um great for the advertisers though because uh, it takes a lot longer to get everyone in a lot more you know everyone so, is sat in their seat earlier yeah everyone's sat in their seat earlier um so yeah i don't think we've done anything particularly unique but I, I guess the thing is with all of these things it's about adapting to the building so there's challenges with the rio anyway because effectively it's like a 1930s design poem we're one of those cinemas that's still got the old box office behind the glass screen which in modern times has come kind of somewhat redundant because everyone buys their tickets and food and drinks at the bar but actually it's been re really useful having that so we can kind of stagger everyone coming through and you mentioned you opened just ahead of tenet now there's been a huge amount of chat about tenet and um christopher nolan's got a fair bit of stick about having a film out what's your thoughts on tenets and how it's performed yeah well i mean i think it did really well under the circumstances i just think it's it's completely unfair to judge it against anything else at any other time and good good on him for bringing it out um i'm sure you know they're going to be disappointed about the money they took but of course they're going to be disappointed it's it's completely unprecedented times and you know auditoriums are cut down to a third capacity or less so I mean, I think we, we had a few sellout shows of Tenet, which is in the big auditorium currently 130 seats. We would have sold more if we could. So it's it's unfair. And it also came out at a time where people had the opportunity to go on holiday and they knew it's probably going to be their last opportunity and there was some good weather. And so, yeah, uh, everything considered, I, th I think it I think it did well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, it's... After this weekend, it's done just over 17 million. And when you think Interstellar did 20 in its lifetime, I think that's, you know, 3 million less than Interstellar. For a film that isn't an obvious slam dunk as well, it's quite challenging, isn't it? And it's long and it's perhaps alienating people. I think it's a good performance as well. So aside from Tenet, what other films have been successful since reopening? So Rocks did fabulously well, which I'm delighted to say because it's a brilliant film and it's all set pretty much in Dalston. And in fact... Uh, Quite a few scenes are set opposite the cinema, and the Rio even makes a fleeting appearance as uh, as they go past on the bus. So um, we actually hosted a cast and crew screening of that with Mobo um, a month or so back. So we had Sarah Gavron here and all of the girls who did real star turns. So yeah, so uh, that was another film that was important to reopen for because we definitely wanted to support it. Oh, we've done really well with St Maud. Um, which I'm thrilled about, um, and I think we had the best um, we had the best weekend opening weekend in the country for St Maud. London Film Festival screening of Ammonite did really well. That sold out. Um, we've got the Nick Cave uh, live thing coming up. That's going to sell out. It's actually been a really stellar uh, year, particularly for British female. Um, filmmakers so we had makeup we had summerland we had rocks and we had st maud um so 
Yeah, with all the kind of negativity around it, I hope we kind of remember that, that that's, that it's a real kind of positive set for the British film industry. And it's just a shame that there weren't more cinemas open to show those films because they're all really good. So tell us a little bit about the usual audience you would get at the Rio. So typically we've got a very young demographic here. I mean, obviously because of Dawson's a very vibrant area, it's very, very diverse. Um, and we draw in a lot of our audience from Stoke Newington, Haggerston, got a kind of more affluent audience who live in um islington but yeah predominantly a very very young audience so uh we get very good numbers uh under the age of 30. so um our program's typically a bit more edgy um we do very well with um music related events um and that's why a film like st maud is really kind of um uh, a perfect for our audience i think they like they like stuff that's a bit more um a bit more gritty a bit more edgy and have you seen the audience change at all since you reopened no i don't think so i i think our audience base we're fortunate because our audience base are a bit younger they're i think they're a bit more uh courageous is not this it's the wrong word but i i think they were we were we were very aware during the period we were closed that people were keen for us to reopen they were quite vocal about that um, so no, we haven't seen we haven't seen a dramatic change. I think I would say that the matinee screenings are very very quiet. Uh, they're always quieter, but we are not really getting over double figures. So I think that is an area where typically that's where older audiences would come, and obviously they're they're more reluctant to come or they're shielding. So um, that's that's been an obvious change. But otherwise, it, it's as as it was before. The Rio and DCM have only, have been working together since January. Yeah, how's that been for you? Yeah, well, I mean, it was a great time to start because obviously we came on board and then had our most successful month ever. So it's not um, a coincidence. It's not a co- yeah, yeah. So um, we were very pleased with our first kind of royalties check, and then a couple of weeks in, um, and we had other things that in March were, you know, um, Portrait of Lady on Fire. I almost forget about that. That's like one of my favourite films of the year. That was doing very well. Um, yes, and then of course we kind of the, the slow build up to reopening, and um, it's. Um, it's quite a, it's quite a contrast um and the rio has a membership scheme have you seen a significant increase in memberships uh since you've been closed i know a lot of people have been trying to support their local businesses our, our members have been amazing so yes we have sold a huge amount we've sold kind of a year's worth of memberships in six months uh and on top of that people have made donations so i was just counting yesterday since the, that closure period in march We've had over 31,000 in donations, which is fantastic, and we, we've really needed it. Um, but yeah, it's been great. Members who have, have bought life memberships, and when we closed, we made a special donation membership where it's the normal membership with a £20 donation on top. So lots and lots of people took that up. So uh, again, that was another reason for for us reopening is because of the support of our members. They they you know have made a clear statement that they want us to remain. So we're here to serve them as much as you know anything else and as someone who is quite familiar with the interior of the rio i often see it in ads or music videos has that has that been something you've actively been exploring yeah we've i think we've had three music videos shot here since uh uh since july uh we've had an advert for johnny walker and o2 and um we are discussing um, hosting a, an, an award ceremony vote virtually and 
potentially quite a big film uh, early next year. So yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things for us um, that we, because we have that historic picture palace um, style and also because the, the Rio can kind of pass as a cinema from the 30s, the 50s, the 70s, the 80s. It's quite a chameleon like that. So we do we do very well out of um, location work. And it's, I guess it's uh, now more than ever, it's really important to explore other revenue streams as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think, well, I mean, one of one of the things about the film industry is obviously everyone's massively behind and people have got to kind of catch up on adverts and shoots and otherwise they lose the commitment of their actors. So um, again, we're lucky. I think lots of people who work in the profession live in this area. So um, we've we've had lots and lots of inquiries. Um, so that's been really important. I didn't anticipate that happening when we reopen and that's vital revenue for us. And in terms of the next few months, you've mentioned there's a huge amount of uncertainty. How do you see things going? Well, trying not to think too far ahead um, to kind of prevent anxiety attacks. <laughs> um, we have we work with a few big film festivals in November. So Fringe, the Queer Film Festival, um, we're doing a lot of dates with them in November. Dock and Roll Film Festival, Korean Film Festival, Queer East Film Festival. Um, so we've got lots of those uh, booked in November and they're selling really well. Um, unfortunately, I think when some of the other cinemas closed, uh, the picture houses, lots of film festivals that were working there had lost their slots. So we've come in um, to pick up some of those um, those slots. So November's looking quite busy for us and there are films coming like uh, Mank and Supernova and Ammonite, which I think will do well for us. Uh, December looks very, very quiet and it's a question of really, uh, we'll certainly won't do our usual of opening throughout the festive period and opening on Christmas Eve and Boxing Day. There just aren't the titles to support that. So we will we will take a winter break um, and it's just a case of how long that will be. I hope not. I hope we can, you know, um, I hope there will be something around for us to play, but it, it's it's looking a bit sparse at the moment. You recently attended the Venice Film Festival. How was that in the age of COVID-19? Oh, well, that was th that was great, actually. Um, again, it seems so long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, so I'm very fortunate I'm able to go to film festivals. In Venice is my, my favourite. So um, I want, as soon as I knew it was on this year, I was determined to go. Um, they dealt with everything there incredibly well. So there were lots of, I mean, and actually considering now where, where Italy, Italy is, of course, they've just closed all the cinemas again. Um, but they had lots and lots of um, uh, security, um, temperature checks as you came in. Everyone adheres to wearing face masks. It was, um, they were doing every other seat there, but they had kind of ushers in the auditorium that if you, you know, moved your face mask slightly, they'd come over and shine a torch on you. Um, and the... Um, Italian police very much enjoyed like pointing the thermometer gun at your head as you go in. Um, so they they did brilliantly on all of their safety measures. Um, and it was a less kind of star-studded event than normal. I mean, noticeably the big studios had stayed away, but there were still some really good films. Um, and oh yeah, I was pleased to have gone because it felt like um, a big uh, kind of solidarity move across the European you know, cinema. Um, to see people there and, and because everyone is keen to keep going basically so it was it was good to support some of the films that were there um, and it meant it made space for a lot more 
independent features. And what films were the highlights? I really enjoyed The Duke. I, I, I think that that's going to be a really good film with uh, Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. Um, and that's due out uh, sometime next year, isn't it? Yeah, they haven't got a date on that. And again, I think that film is, it has a kind of, uh, it definitely has the ability to cross over to the American market. It's a kind of full Monty-esque underdog story, but it's got, you know, Helen Mirren, who's absolutely adored in, in the States, and Jim Broadbeck gives a fantastic... Um, are they potential award winners? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So for those people who don't know, this is a The Duke, which is a British film directed by Roger Michel, who made Notting Hill, um, and is about a man called Kempton Bunton, who's the only person to successfully steal a painting from the National Gallery, is that yes, correct? Yes, correct. And it was yeah. a, Go a Goya painting in the 60s. Um, amazing true story. I can't wait to see um, more about it, but it, it got universally, rapturously received, didn't it? Everywhere. Five stars in The Guardian and The Telegraph, so it's definitely one to look out for. It's a real, it's a real crowd pleaser as well. Um, there's, um, there's a very good scene in it which will have everyone in kind of rapturous applause and laughter. So, it, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a winner. You've got two kind of national treasures in it giving virtuoso performances. It's a really good script. And it's a British film as well, so that's definitely one to look out for. Any others? Yeah, Nomadland is also um, a brilliant film. Um, and it's kind of archetypal, big, gritty festival film. Again, virtuoso performance from Frances McDormand, shoo-in for Best Actress. Um, and, and that won the Golden Lion, didn't it, the be for Best yeah, Film? Yeah, yeah. And I think it won uh, at Toronto as well. It did win well. at Toronto as well. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's scheduled to come out 1st of January. Um, uh, I'm hoping that that stays on date and we'll certainly play that film and I expect that to... Yeah, I've seen. I saw it as well, and um, Francis McDormand is just absolutely wonderful, isn't it? I mean, you're right. If I was a betting person, and I'm not, um, that I would. Be, I'm, I'm fully expecting her to win Best Actress. Yeah. And it's very kind of resonant for um, the times about kind of um, looking at the world in a different way and kind of uh, um, tuning out. It's hard to go into too much detail without kind of spoiling it, but obviously. It's about kind of modern nomads who who live on the road, um, and yeah, it, it seemed very very resonant with everything we've experienced over the last six months. Yep, totally. And it's directed by Chloe Zhao, who next year is directing one of the big Marvel films as well. Which That's I, right. Which yeah. I think remarkable when you see Nomadland, and if you've seen Chloe Zhao's previous film, The Rider, you just amazing that she's taken that. Hopefully, managing to take some of that uh, filmmaking style into a big Marvel film. Yeah. I mean, it'd be really interesting to see what happens with, with Eternals. Anything else you wanted to highlight from Venice? One Night in Miami is also brilliant, which I gather also played at London Film, film Festival. Um, and that's Regina King's debut film, obviously very accomplished and talented actress. Um, and that feels like a big kind of awards contender. Um, and it's one of those films, it's based on a play and sometimes um, those kind of adaptations get a little bit kind of um, staccato, you know. Um, I mean, there's, there's some, there've been some great adaptations, films like Frost Nixon, but there's sometimes, you know, you're just a little bit aware that they've come from plays. But this in particular has uh, enactments of Muhammad Ali fighting and the young guy who plays uh, Ali is terrific. Um, so there's some there's some big kind of breakout sequences, but all the performances are brilliant. And in the wake of uh, Black Lives Matter and all of these things, it's a really resonant film. So that's um, I'm hoping that film. I think Universal have got that. 
and I th- I'm hoping that film will ap- appear this year in February or March because, it, again, it would be a shoe in to get some uh, awards nominations. So it would be a shame if it doesn't. If the film schedule stays as it is, as it is, and fingers crossed, what are you most looking forward to in 2021? Okay, so, well, The French Dispatch is, that's one I'm really, because I think that was originally going to come out end of August. So way back in, you know, February, that's a film we'd have very high hopes for, hoping it could perform kind of similarly Once Upon a Time in America or Black Klansman, which in the last few years, those August bank holiday weekends have become really, really big. And that's um, really helpful for us because summer's difficult for us uh, indies. So, yeah, very excited about that. Um Dune, obviously, I I, um, I know lots of my colleagues are kind of sceptical as to whether it will work. But as far as I'm concerned, he hasn't made a bad film yet. I really love... Um, That's Denis Villeneuve. Denis Villeneuve. I really love his kind of ambition. And um, he's the best person to make that film. I right? think so. Because, I mean, the thing with Blade Runner is he made that very much as... It was very much a kind of fanboy version. And, you know... He, with an enormous budget and very, very high production value. So I think he'll he'll put, you know, similar weight behind this. And everyone's in it. Yeah, amazing cast. Amazing cast. I think I think the 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 big point of uh dispute is Timothy Chalamet, um, who's obviously like a massive star and very kind of popular mainstream. So whether he's got the chops to kind of carry that that role. Yeah. But I trust Villeneuve. Yeah, I trust Villeneuve as well. I'm like you, I like all his films and I genuinely don't think he could have made a better sequel to Blade Runner. No. I, I, I think it, he did an incredible job with that. So I'm, I think it's in safe hands in Dune. So we've already mentioned membership and such like. Moving forward, is there any other ways that people can support the Rio? Well, um, yes, you can buy yeah, buy membership, buy gift vouchers. Um, come come and see, you know, come and see a film if you're if you feel safe enough and comfortable to. Um we have just applied for the the big funding through the BFI, so that's going to be really important to us. I don't. I think as things stand, breaking even is very very difficult, um, and it's not through uh, it's not through lack of good films. It's just um, it's just simply with capacity so reduced. You know, we weren't no cinemas were designed to operate on a third capacity, so it just affects the margins so so badly. So. Um, I think we will be doing another kind of funding campaign later. We're going to try and make some changes to our bar next year and our and, and the foyer there to reconfigure that space. Um, because again, when you're trying to keep people at a distance, you know, a 1930s cinema is not <laughs> not the best design, you know. Um, so if we can open out that space a bit more, um, but yeah, buy buy a mem- if you live locally, buy a membership or buy a gift voucher. Um, that's made a huge difference to our ability to reopen. So that's all. So thanks for joining me, Ollie. Uh, best of luck with the next few months. Um, and uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you at some point next year. Great. Nice to talk to you. Thanks, Ollie.